Good morning. My name is Joshua Friesen, and I'm one of the volunteer hosts here at Faithbrook. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we are so thankful and excited you've joined us for worship today. If you're newer here, we would love to get to know you. So in the seat in front of you, there is a blue connect card. Please consider filling it out and dropping it on the giving box on the way out today. Or if you want to do a digital version, you can go to our website at faithbrook.church connect. What you can expect is somebody will reach out to you this week and we look forward to getting to know you. At Faithbrook, one of our goals is to make an impact in our community. And this month we are doing just that by partnering with Cross Services Fill the Backpack campaign. There's a few different ways that you can participate. One is you can go to the store, pick up some items and bring them here. Two, you can make a monetary donation. Or three, you can go to our Amazon wish list, add it to your cart and ship it right to the church. Super convenient. Next week is the last week that we're accepting donations. So if you want to see what's still needed, you can check out the table in the lobby or go to our website at faithbrook.church. We are so thankful for everybody participating in this. Well, in just a second, we're going to welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue to swim our way through our series, H2O. Have you ever tried to do something that took a lot of guts, something that would be intensive, risky, hard, pressing? Or have you ever been in a situation, a trial that scared you? that you knew it would take something beyond your being, wondering if you'd ever endure, ever pursue through this trial. Well, this situation happened to one of the disciples that was following Jesus when he challenged himself to do something remarkable, something very scary, and that would be walking on literal water. And that's where we're going today, here as we continue in our series h 2 Oh, that's kind of been our focus this summer here at Faithbrook. All the components and the teachings that has to do with water and uh, its, its counterparts. And I'm going to welcome you. Uh, maybe you're watching online. You're at your cabin or traveling. Thanks for watching. Thanks for uh, being with us today. Maybe you're just kind of shopping churches, uh, checking out churches. I want to invite you later after the service for our 15-minute discovery class uh, it's going to be right up uh, up here with me, and we're going to kind of share kind of how Faithbrook is made up, what we focus on, who we are. We'd also like to get your opinion and get to know you a little bit. Uh, so it'll be five minutes after our service, just kind of mosey over here, and uh, we'll collect for our discovery class. There are some people help watch kids, um, and we'll have this class. Well, water is such a vital component to everyday life, is it not? And most of the time, water is very inviting. It's replenishing. It's beautiful. We love it, especially in the summer. Uh, We enjoy it. But at the same time, water can be intimidating. Sometimes water is dangerous. Sometimes water is dark and stormy and and can overwhelm us. And this is kind of involved in the story in Matthew 22. And as Peter is going to walk on water. Let me give you a little bit of background, setting this story up. In chapter 22 of Matthew, you'll see that the disciples and Jesus had a very big day. Uh, They were involved in feeding the masses. Over 5,000 people needed to be fed. Uh, They didn't know where they were going to get this this food, but Jesus did an incredible miracle and fed over 5,000 people, and the disciples were asked to be involved with that. 
So now it comes down to about verse 21, and Jesus is like, hey, we're, we're going to just kind of recoup here and get ready for the next day. So he gives his disciples an assignment. We're right next to the Sea of Galilee, and we're going to be ministering over there tomorrow. So I want you to get in the boat, and uh, you guys know how to do this. You're fishermen, and it's a big body of water, Sea of Galilee, and I want you to row all night, get yourself on the other side. Meanwhile, I'm going up to the mountains. I need to pray. I need to connect with the Father God, recover a little bit, right? And I'll see you on the other side the next day. Well, the scriptures tell us that later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the wind waves because the wind was against it. Now, if you've ever been in a small boat and you're rowing, all of a sudden, here comes these waves, maybe a front. It's, you got to rem- remember they're in the middle of the night. Uh, they don't have all the modern uh, technology, b- motors, etc. So they're struggling. Uh, this translation says is buffeted. Uh, really, the true translation, it is, it is battling against the waves. It's, it's just oppressive, hour by hour. Uh, these waves, and these disciples are struggling all night. Well, the scriptures continue shortly before dawn. Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when they saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Some of them said, it's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. Now, we can't blame them. We'd probably be the same way, right? What is that? (laughs) <laughs> There's some form coming to us and, and scares us to death. But you know, you never know how God works. You never know uh, how God shows up. Sometimes we don't even know, but God is working, especially in this case. Well, look at Jesus' reaction. Jesus immediately says to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. How many times? Does our soul and our mind need to hear these words? Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Well, Peter, one of the disciples in the boat, he replies, hey, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on water. I want to do something like you're doing. I want to do something supernatural that is risky and scary and, and, and tell me to come. I'm ready to, to go. And Jesus replies to him, Come, go for it, man. Just, just get out there and live large and just uh, uh, lean on me to see if you can do this miracle. Now, can you imagine what the other friends and disciples are saying in the boat? You're, you're going to do what, Peter? <laughs> right? Where, where are you getting that? You see the storm. You see those waves. You, humans can't do that. God, Jesus might be able to, but you're nuts, right? Why in the world are you trying to walk on water? And so he gets out. He gets out of the boat, walks on water. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? It continued. And when they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I mean, they had never experienced anything like this. Uh, God had it all in control, and they are profoundly impacted. Their faith started growing. Well, what can we learn from this story? More importantly, how can we apply it to our everyday life? 
There's a lot of stuff going on in this story. I want to just offer you this. Sometimes we seek miracles and other times we need a miracle. Sometimes we seek a miracle and sometimes we find ourselves that we need a miracle. Uh, Do you know anybody or maybe you're one of these people that want to just kind of climb the mountains? You're one of those people like Peter says, pick me. I'll go for it. I'll step out. I'll take the risk. And I'm going to try to endeavor something that's going to take a lot of faith. I'm maybe going to pursue a degree that might be challenging. I'm going to start a family. I'm going to lose 80 pounds. I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to take a high risk. I'm going to start a business. I'm one of those people, man. I need a miracle that this ever going to be pulled off. Some of you might be saying, no, I, I don't inspire for that. But I do need a miracle. Because sometimes storms and waves just come into our life. We didn't expect it. We didn't want them. We didn't ask for it. But now we find ourselves in critical situations for us just to endure, for us just to stay above the waves without drowning. We need a miracle emotionally, spiritually, maybe even physically. You know of anybody that's had waves come in their life that they need a miracle when the doctor says you have cancer? Or maybe unexpectedly you lost a job. What's next? How am I going to survive? Maybe your kids are making some choices that scare you and you're not sure how to cope with that. Maybe your your marriage is broken down or you're divorced and you're like, how do I recover from this? Maybe you find yourself in chronic physical distress and problems. It's every day it's a wave. Every day there's a challenge and you cry out, oh God, I need your help. I think about our, our, our staff custodian here, Jackson and his wife, Ethel Zira. Three weeks ago, they got a phone call from the hospital. said, Mr. Jackson, I'm sorry to tell you, but your 18-year-old daughter was in a major car accident, and we're afraid that she's never going to walk again. And for the last three weeks, uh, they've been trying to cope and help their daughter, who's been trying to just breathe And uh, last week, she got a trach in her to be able to talk because her spine is broke. Can you imagine? It takes your breath away. Uh, Not trying to aspire to do anything. Now, they're just in survival mode. They're just like, God, I need a miracle. I don't know how our daughter's going to survive, how we're going to do it, how we're going to change this new lifestyle. Nobody asked for that kind of storm to rise up and find herself needing to walk on water. Sometimes we seek miracles like Peter. He wanted to walk on water, and other times we need a miracle. Have you ever tried to do something that took a lot of faith, that took some energy and some risk out there? The other day I was in uh, Sam's and I saw this young mother uh, trying to walk on water. She had an inline stroller. I think she had twins, and she's pushing it with her left hand, and then she had this massive Sam's cart full of stuff and she's walking around Sam's like this and people are just kind of look at her and I'm thinking there's a lady that's trying to inspire to walk on water. Uh, she's juggling all kinds of domestic things, man, and people are, are cheering her on, you know, she's just trying to survive, right, and, and do, the, do the right thing. Uh, you might be like, well, I'm, I'm not trying to climb hills and walk on water, but man, I need some strength. I didn't realize that our child would be a special needs child. I didn't realize that I would be a single parent and try to navigate that. I, I didn't realize that maybe my lot in life, that we, we are not able to uh, have children. Or maybe God is calling us to adopt a child, but it all is scary. It's all trialsome and stressful. 
And God, a lot of times, calls us to walk on water. So how do we walk on water? What, what does it take to walk on water? Either to inspire to do something that, that we, can't, we can, can't do ourselves or just survive. Can I give you one word to hang on to? One word that's included in this story, and that word is courage. When Jesus showed up and they were terrified, he said, take courage. Take courage, it is I. And so when then Peter said, wow, that's awesome. I want to step out. He would need courage to walk on water. While they, all the other guys, they're like, man, I'm out of that. No way, I'm not doing that. But he was willing to have courage and faith. Now, a lot of times, faith and courage are, are synonymous. They almost mean the same thing. Now, I confess growing up uh, in church and hearing a lot of preachers, you know, and reading the Bible, a lot of times the word is faith. Jesus talked about faith. The Hebrew writer says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what am I doing that takes a lot of faith? I'm not even sure what that word kind of means exactly. Uh, Paul says, we we do not walk by sight. We walk by faith, right? So every time that that I've endured to do something that's going to take a dream, that's going to take something kind of risky and scary out there, right? I need faith. But then I'm like, you know, this faith thing is not easy. Because everything in my body doesn't want to risk it. Uh, I want to play it safe. What I really need to have faith is courage. It's like courage before faith. Because we really like to just stay in the boat. How many of you would confess and say, man, I'm, I'm the person who likes to stay in the boat, right? I want to play it safe. That crazy guy, Peter, have at it, dude. But that's not me. I'm staying right here. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, but Christ is calling us to, to be courageous and it took courage for Peter, some people might say it took craziness, right? He was out of his mind to step out of that boat in a stormy, wavy sea. Are you kidding me, right? Courage. Well, what else does this story tell us that if we're going to walk on water to do maybe the impossible, what do we need to remember? What did Peter need to remember? Well, the first thing I want to offer you today is that we need to remember God does not forget you. Whatever you're going through, whatever trial you're trying to achieve, God does not forget you. How do I know this? Because if you look in the scriptures, you'll find a little detail that we kind of gloss over. It says, shortly before dawn, that's when Jesus went out to them. Shortly before dawn, that's like five o'clock. So they've been struggling all night trying to get across this Sea of Galilee when all of a sudden these storms just kind of pop up all of a sudden, they're just wearing themselves out, exhausted from these waves, just battering against, pushing them back. They're rowing. Things are getting scary. Things are getting dicey. They don't have lights. They don't have radar. They don't have a motor, right? They're all kind of on edge, and they're wondering, where is this Jesus? Maybe someone says, hey, where's Jesus? He's hanging out on the mountains, right? Just today, we were, were we not to experience a miracle of feeding 5,000? Now we're about to perish, or maybe you're going to capsize. Where is Jesus? And the writer says that shortly before dawn, that's when Jesus comes out to them. So this tells us that Jesus never took his eyes off of them. He's up in the mountains And he sees over that sea, he knew exactly where they were. In fact, he waited and just watched how they uh, processed this situation. 
but he never lost track of them. But they probably thought Jesus lost track of them. It's dark out here. Jesus is not in the boat. Where is he? We're in trouble. He must not be for us. Oh, he was for them. And he was watching. Remember, God does not forget you. A lot of times when we don't see God, feel God, we think God has forgotten us. And God doesn't care about us. And where is God? One of the most trialsome things a Christian can go through is when God is silent. When you need God to speak. And, and God is not directing you or comforting you. And, and all of a sudden, well, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. God, God hasn't really shown up. One of the things that's helped me is a, a quote by Emily Freeman. It says, when you can't see God's hand, trust his heart. When you can't see God's hand, trust his heart. And so when we look in the scriptures, especially we see how God's moved when we maybe look at other circumstances in our life or other people's lives and they tell how God showed up, but, but we didn't think he did, but he never forgot about us. Trust his heart. His nature is to watch. And the scriptures tell us that even though Jesus wasn't right there all night, he's watching them. And he sees you, my friend. He hasn't forgotten you. Whatever you're enduring, whatever waves you're up against, or whatever you're inspiring to do, God has not forgotten. He sees you. Don't forget that. Second thing, remember the promises of God. Remember the promises of God. If you're trying to do something remarkable, if you're doing something that's risky, something that's challenging, or you're just trying to stay above the surface, remember the promises of God. What do you mean? Well, in this scripture, we see that the wind uh, caught uh, Peter, and Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, of course, and he started to sink uh, many times. I have to confess, maybe you, Man, there's been some scary times in my life, discouraging times, and just get consumed with all these circumstances. It's not going to work out, and we just start sinking, right? And it becomes very stressful and scary, and humans uh, tend, not keep, tend to keep their eyes off of Jesus, right? And they start getting on other things. Maybe we can find other things to cope with this stress, this discouragement, right? Maybe, maybe we just take some alcohol, man, and just drink it down. Maybe we overwork ourselves. We're so uh, anxious, Maybe we overeat. Maybe we just sleep it off. Somewhere we're trying to cope with this drowning, right? And we forget about the promises of God. Sometimes they say, oh, you preachers and you Christians, you're, you're just kind of um, you know, emotionally weak. You, know, you, you believe in that Bible stuff? You believe in that God stuff? Are you kidding me? And somewhere we have to come to grips. Are the, are the promises of God true? See, my friends, either the promises of God are fairy tales or they're the truth. I'm just telling fairy tales and we're just wasting our time and God doesn't really mean it. It's just some, some myths out there or it's truly the true thing. And when you come to, to a pivotal time in your spiritual life to say, you know, either I, I, they're fairy tales or this is truth, then if it's the truth, I'm going to claim them. I'm going to start believing in them. And you start building your pockets full of this arsenal of God's truth and his love and the, the Bible promises. But I have to share this with you. But a lot of times we don't know the promises of God. The preacher guy does, or the preacher lady might do, but, but we don't, right? And how many of us have our Bibles that are maybe uh, uh, outlined or on our electric, electric Bibles that when the winds come up and the storms and it's scary, we can go to and we can anchor our soul. We can anchor on the promises of God, but a lot of times we, we don't. And there we, we flounder. There we start sinking because we're not remembering the promises of God. 
And through my life, I've, I've tried to, to, to highlight and remember, maybe write them out, post them, uh, burn them on my brain. So when the chips are down, I have something to cling on to. For instance, one of my favorite chapters of all the Bibles, Romans 8. And when Paul uh, asks, who shall separate us from the love of God? Who shall separate us from the love of God? He starts listing off things like hardship, persecution, famine, even nakedness. And then he says, no, I am convinced that we are more than overcomers through Jesus Christ who loves me. That's a promise of God, that God is not going to separate that God is going to love, and you know what? I can overcome. We think that Paul, he continues to write in Philippians, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who is my strength. Now, that's a fairy tale, or is that the truth? And if that's the truth, then I'm going to lean into that. He continues on in Ephesians, he talks about, and my God will meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So is that the truth? That's the truth. So I can stand down, I can relax, because the promise is, is that he's going to meet all my needs. God does not lie. I don't know what exactly it's going to do, but I can, have, I can be strong. Um, Psalms 23. The, um, Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear not. Why? Because his rod and his staff comfort me. I don't know what you're going through, but you might feel like you're going through the valley of death. I mean, it's dark and poor. But the promise is he will comfort me us. We're going to claim that. We're going to live on that, or we're going to just blow it off and try to find other things. Before you know it, you become stronger. You start learning the promise of God, being a connoisseur of the promise of God. You start becoming stronger internally, emotionally, spiritually. There's security, there's trust, there's joy, there's purpose, because it's the promise of God. And you're not sinking every other day. You're not sinking every other week. We find out that the phrase do not be afraid, is shared in the Bible 365 times. 365 times. Hello? Why is that? Because us humans can easily get scared, and we need to hear it again. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Some of you might think, well, that's kind of corny, Jim. For, you to, for people to just kind of rip off scriptures or memorize scriptures or outline scriptures, right? I might have other powers. Well, what is your power, right? Just self-sufficiency? Well, that can only go so far. And a lot of times we're just fooling ourselves that we're so big and bad and strong that we can adapt to all the crises and disappointments in life. For me, I've found my superpower is going to be in a supernatural of Jesus Christ. And when I'm down and I'm scared there's going to be Christ. I'm going to hang on to those promises of God. Yeah, but Jim, you, you're not going through what we're going through. You have no idea what we're suffering with. And I've prayed three times and God didn't show up. And I don't understand why he's not delivering us. I look at my friends, I look at my colleagues and their life seems to be great. They got everything perfectly, but I'm suffering with some physical ailment. I'm suffering with my child. They have a disease or they got a situation that's just breaking my heart. I don't know what to do. Why isn't God showing up? What, what, what is he trying to say to me? The winds just keep coming, keep coming. Ever been there? I think about uh, this, this fact that storms are simple opportunities to develop perseverance and courage. Storms are opportunities to develop perseverance and courage. A lot of times, this is where miracles happen. Do you have miracle in your life? Can you share with a friend a cup of coffee or in the, in the backyard how God showed up in your life? 
and God sustains you and the promises of God are true. Do you have any of those stories? Because a lot of times we haven't been able or allowed to suffer some. It's in the suffering, it's in the trials that we find that God shows up and helps us. I believe this is one of the reasons why James shared to the Christians in the first chapter, one of the very first things he shared in the book was consider it pure joy, my friends, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Sometimes God allows situations into our life to test us, okay? You're loving me because I do a lot of miracles. Your life is very comfortable and easy. Let's see if you follow me and you can grow your faith when you get tested. Because I want to develop perseverance. And then it continues on. And when perseverance has finished its work, you will be complete, not lacking anything. He wants us to be strong. And sometimes we have to go through the, the seas of Galilee. Sometimes we have to go some very scary situations for us to develop strength and, and perseverance, maturity, to be strong and whole. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, a gentleman uh, called me from North Dakota. He's a pastor, bivocational pastor. I'm kind of his mentor. And uh, he, uh, is a, of all things, he's a helicopter mechanic up there in the fields, in the oil fields. And, he's, and he called me and says, man, can you help me? I'm just overwhelmed. Uh, they are working me to death. I'm supposed to be this pastor. I got this small little church. I really have a call on my heart. I want to be a good pastor, but man, my employer is just asking me to work 50 hours, and I don't know what to do. It. Do you have Do you have any advice? You know. And I said, like, well, hang in there. I'm sure it's tough. And he tried to encourage him, whatever. And he went on. Well, last week he texts me. He says, Hey, can I talk to you again? I says, Sure, sure. What's up? He says, You're not going to believe this, but I lost my job. Out of the blue, they're closing the base. The company didn't think it was profitable, so all the helicopter mechanics were all gone. And he says, man, it is freaking me out. It's scaring me. He says, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. They gave me two weeks severance pay. I said, what about your church? He says, man, it's just a tiny little church. They pay me $500 a month. I got a family. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like, man, I'm so sorry. Uh, That's a storm that just shows up. You didn't even know. And before you know it, this gentleman's sinking spiritually, sinking emotionally. How do, how do we handle that? And so I, I shared with him, I said, man, you got to hang on to the promises of God. They're either a fairy tale or, or it's for real and, and, and we're going to be there. And, and maybe, maybe God has an agenda for your life. Maybe, as you were sharing a couple of weeks ago, that you really would like to do more in the ministry than, than turning a wrench. Uh, maybe this is way, and let's just see what God does. Let's just see how God works with this. And maybe there's some uh, you know, part-time mechanical jobs in your little town there. You never know. Let's just see how God shows up. I'll be praying for you. You gotta remember the promises of God. You gotta remember that God has not forgotten you. And thirdly, you gotta remember to have courage to cry out to God. Now, Peter was not the most elegant sophisticated of all the disciples, but at least he was smart enough to cry out to God when he was sinking. I'm going back to Jesus. I'm going back to Jesus. I'm sinking. It's not looking good. And he says, save me. Lord, save me. (laughs) Have you ever cried out to God and said, God, you got to save me. You got to save my family. It's not looking good. And look what the scripture says that immediately Jesus reached out and caught him. Immediately Jesus reached out and caught Peter. This is my Jesus. This can be your Jesus. 
He is not far. He does not care. He loves and reaches down with that right hand and grabs that desperate, scared person and says, I'm bringing you up. That's how much he loves you. Eventually, he would go and give his life on the cross for you. And he reaches down to that right hand and he looks right into Peter's eyes. And you know, he's communicating with Peter. He's saying, Peter, I got you, buddy. I got you. I know you feel like you're sinking, but you can trust me. I believe in you. I'm going to do something incredible in your life. He starts pulling him up with his right hand, man to man, eyes to eyes. Now, Jesus is also seeing the future of Peter's life. He knows that Peter has it within him to be one of the great leaders of the Christian faith, and this is going to be pivotal in his life. And he's going to have to teach Peter to trust him, that he can count on him because it's going to even get tougher in his life. And right there, Peter gets embraced by Christ and is lifted up. You know, my friends, Jesus sees your future too. Jesus has something in mind for you, no matter what your age, no matter what your situation is. It might not be on some platform and some grand, famous thing, but it might be small things that he's going to need you to show up and he wants to build your faith. Then sometimes we're going to have to cry out to God and say, God, I'm in trouble. There's been many times in my life that I've tried to climb the hill for God. I've tried to do something uh, that was more than I could ever think. Or, or that Inwardly, I'm like, I don't have that, right? But God says, man, the kingdom needs. The kingdom needs some heroes. The king, people need Christ. you got to do something. One of the biggest endeavors was to get ourselves in this new this building here six years ago. Many of you know the story that we were a smaller church, kind of tucked away back in Osseo. And this big, audacious uh, dream about relocating, starting all over. You know, how much would that cost? We were not a very big church. It was scary. It was just overwhelming. Well, somehow God moved and the people believed in the vision and said, we're willing to sell the building and move whatever it takes. And it's like, great. And so that was like in 2008, 2009, we found this property. We spent a lot of money. It was getting really high stakes, really scary, right? It's like, well, if you all just kind of uh, sacrifice and give, we'll we'll put this together and we'll build a brand new building here and maybe we'll get into it in 2010, 2009, something like that. And the the people did it. Well, there there was a major recession and things went backwards. We were looking at our finances and we did our very best to kind of map this out. And so we were like, well, what do you think God wants us to do? We're like 18,000 square foot. It's about $150, $160 per square foot. And this land, it's all adding up to over $3 million, right? It's just kind of scary. It's like walking on water, right? And, and the, the brainiacs in the church were like, you know, mathematically, this is what we need to do. We need to raise this much money. And we're like, whoo, we need to find some lender that's going to lend us over $1.2 million. Oh, are you kidding me? And we got to sell this old church for over 1.3 if it's all the math is going to line up, right? So we went for it, right? Scary. And so we put the church up for sale and they had people come in, look at it, and, and, and nobody wanted to buy it for a million three. The best we got is maybe close to a million. Same reason we wanted to leave, the same reason people didn't want to buy. And through the years, I'm just like, you know what? What were we thinking? People are not going to give us 1.3 million. And we, year after year, we had people looking at a building, nobody's getting there. We had sniffed around at lenders and they're like, hey, would you borrow us, a, lend us a million two? And they're like, Let's see your books. You're not very big. I'm not sure. Yeah, go down the street. And on and on and it went. It just didn't look like it was adding up. And frankly, privately, secretly, I was getting really discouraged. 
Now we've been in there six years. The church back in Austria is kind of shrinking. People are losing momentum. People kind of walking away. And I'm thinking, wow, this, this is not looking good. Now, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but we're our biggest critics. So a lot of times I'm just carrying it. I'm just like, well, it's got to be me. You know, if I was a better leader, if I was more holy, if I prayed more, then miracles would happen. Maybe God's anointing someone else because it's not happening around here. And frankly, I got really down. I was sinking. In fact, I was even thinking about, you know, this church deserves a better leader. I can't get him over to that property on Fernbrook. And I don't know what I'm going to do. But I knew to cry out to God. I knew to cry out to God and say, God, you know I'm down. You know that my resume is getting brushed up and maybe I need to move on because it's been long. It's not going anywhere. And it seems like God heard that cry. And God took me aside and said, let's look over the, the math again. Now, how much do you need to borrow? How much do you need to raise? How, how, how much do uh, you need to sell your, your church, church for? And, and how much are you going to build? And I said, well, it's right here. We need a youth room and we need a kitchen over here and we need awesome kids room. It's 18,000 square feet. And, and he kind of said to me, he says, well, that's the only thing you can control. You can't control the bank. You can't control the buyer. You can't control the construction costs. You can only control maybe how large your footprint's going to be. And he said, he asked a question, do you need 18,000 square foot? And at first I'm like, well, sure. We're going to be the awesome church, you know, we need this and this and this. Do you really need that? I was like, well, I don't know. And he said, well, why don't you figure it out what you, well, how many square feet do you use right now? Well, the old church, it had 20, over 20,000 square feet, right? There's rooms everywhere and that's what we were used to and stuff. But he said, well, do you use that all the time, especially on Sundays? I was like, well, I don't know. Never thought about that. And God said, why don't you get a tape measure out and just go around and just measure out how big this, your sanctuary is right now. Well, it was about this size, right? I said, this. How about, how about your lobby? I said, well, about this. And uh, we, what else do you need? I said, well, we, we need some bathrooms. Okay. Uh, well, do you need to be giant? No. Maybe those? Okay. Uh, do you need a nursery? Yes. Right. Oh, I said, well, we need a conference room. And well, can you use a conference room on Sunday and then use it on Tuesday? And yeah, and the kids, kids room. And, and can we use the kids room like on, on uh, Wednesday at the same time? So, yeah, yeah, I think we can. We just need, you know, 40 by 40 kind of thing. And, and, uh, and then we have the big room. Well, how often do you use the big room? Not very often. Once in a while. How about that big kitchen back there? Oh, we like that kitchen. And God's like, well, do you really need the kitchen? It's a mission critical. You know, some people say, yeah. Uh, but no, we don't really need a kitchen. Can you survive without a kitchen? I'm thinking, maybe. The other people might kill me, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> so I did my calculation. I'm on a legal pad, you know, and I came down. It's like what we use on Sundays and what we critically need. It came down like 12,000 square feet. I was like, wow, if we just shrunk it down 18 to 12,000 we could save a lot of money and maybe we could connect the dots mathematically and maybe make this thing happen. It's crazy. I didn't think about that. Maybe God heard my cry and so I called up our project manager, our church uh, project manager, Ryan Newhart. I said, man, can we have lunch tomorrow? I got a proposal. And he said, sure, Jim, let's meet for lunch and sat him down. I said, you know, we've been struggling. I've been struggling. I don't know how we're going to do it. Let's not kid ourselves. You know, nobody's going to give us 1.3 million. We've been doing this for five years, change real estate agency. You know, we, we need to do something. I think maybe shrinking down to 12. And I love Ryan. He's a thinker. He's a smart guy. And this is how he usually reacts when you propose something exciting to him, right? You know anybody like this? This is his reaction. Hmm. 
right? Right? Yeah, that, that might work. That might work, Pastor. I said, oh, well, uh, okay. Well, we're going to have a meeting with the board in the next week, right? And who knows? And do you know what happened the very next day? The realtor called and said, Pastor Jim, you're not going to believe this, but I got someone who wants to buy your church, and they got plenty of money, and they'll give you at least a million three or more. Do you want to talk? Boom, boom, boom. God came through. Things started happening and by uh, uh, 2017, we were in this building. My friends, a lot of times, you are only one breakdown away from a breakthrough. A lot of times, we are just one breakdown away, just like Peter. Lord, save me. I'm sinking. And Jesus hears our cry. He knows we're at the end of the rope, man. He reaches down. Maybe it's overnight. Maybe it's instantly. Maybe it takes a couple of months, but God's going to pull us out and save us. And then he says to Peter, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt me? I got this. I've been watching you. I have promised you. I'm carrying you. You can trust me. And through this story, we realize that God wants to create courage, courageous Christians, not comfortable Christians. And a lot of times we are seeking comfort rather than um, courage. Our nature is for comfort, but God is like, man, I need courageous people to step out of the boat. I need courageous people to endure. I need courageous people to quit complaining and griping and say, this is my waves. This is my sea. I will do it. God, help me to overcome with your help. I can. And the last I look, my friends, the world needs courageous Christians. One of our biggest problems is that us Christians, we are always seeking comfort, how comfortable we can be in our churches, in our private lives. Oh, God, help me to live more comfortable. And God's like, you're missing the point. I'm calling people not to be comfortable. I'm calling them to be courageous. And we're like, oh, I'm staying back in the boat, right? Get out of the boat. And sometimes God forces to get in the water. We didn't even ask for it. Next time we know we got winds. He says, this is where you need courage. This is where you need to remember the promises of God. This is where you need to remember to cry out to me. Remember, I have not forgotten you. Live courageously. Some of you need to hear this. Some of God is calling you to do something courageous. Maybe it's a nonprofit. Maybe it's, maybe it's adopting a child. Maybe it's taking a risk and volunteer somewhere or to give or to do something that's beyond your nature. And it's going to take God's power. Some of you need to hear this. You're going through stuff that you didn't even ask for. You'd rather be in the boat, but your lot in life, your circumstances call you into some scary stuff, and you need God to help you walk on the water just to survive. Take hope. Take courage. Don't seek comfort. Seek courage. God is looking for the courageous people who will live by faith. And if that's true, what are our steps we need to do? So can I just kind of bring this down a little bit? Let me give you two things this week. If God has inspired you to be courageous, is one is take a step of courage, just a little step of courage. What does that look for in your life? Maybe it's to have a tough conversation with someone. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's that one step to say, you know, I'm going to that gym and I'm going to sign up for that program. I know I might not endure it. It might cost me something, but I need to do it for my health. Maybe it's, it's phoning someone to say, man, I've been thinking of you. 
I'm not that type of outgoing person, but I just want you to know I'm, I'm praying for you. How can we help you? That takes a little bit of courage. Maybe it's, it's surrendering the dream. Surrendering the dream. All your life, you're like, this is what I thought. But I don't think it's going to happen. And somewhere, God, I'm going to have the courage to just give it to you. Trust you, no matter what's going to happen. Take that step of courage. And the second thing is, grab yourself a promise. Grab yourself some scripture that you can hold on to, that you can say, man, this is my life scripture. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is, is one of mine. Uh, Matthew 6, 33, right? Seek ye the first, the kingdom, and my righteousness. And God says, I will make all, add all these other things unto you. That's a promise of God. Find yours. Hang it on your wall. Put it on your phone. This is the promise that when I'm walking on the water, when we're enduring, I'm going to hang on to because I'm going to step out of the boat. I'm taking courage. <clears throat> In closing, I, I just want to quote a song that was produced by Hill Songs, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago. And during that tough time, uh, trying to get into this church, I would cling to some insurance by God and some songs and horse and promises. And this song is called Oceans. And it really spoke to me. And privately, I would sing this song. I was like, yes, I need to remember this song. Here's the lyrics. You call me out upon the waters. Anybody being called out to the waters? The great unknown where feet may fail. We could fail. I could fail. And there I find you in the mystery. In oceans deep, my faith will stand. Your grace abounds in the deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where feet may fail and fears surround me, you'll never fail and you won't start now. That's a promise of God. And the chorus says, I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, and they will, my soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours and you are mine. That's a fact. We can live and live courageously with that. Why don't we stand our closest in prayer? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you were courageous. You came down from your comfortable heaven into our cruel world, and you were faced with all kinds of agony and challenges. We're so grateful that you loved us, that you took that risk on us to crawl on that cross and die a horrible death. Thank you for loving us. Now, God, you call us to be courageous, step out of the boat, to take a risk, claiming your promises, believing that you will hold us, you won't forsake us, and you'll see us through. We love you, we need you, we ask these things in your name. Amen.